0: Welcome to the FinGen show. I'm your host Faris Almi and today we have a guest with us, Becca. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So, as you know, our podcast is about 10 minutes and our goal is to bust any myths about entrepreneurship. So that's the idea. So as ideas come to you and we're discussing, please feel free to share. By, yep. you know, of course always good for people to know who you are and what you do. So, <laughs> maybe you could start with that.
1: <laughs> sure. Uh, my name is Becca Lori Hector. I am an autism neurodiversity and inclusion consultant. Uh, I'm also an autistic adult myself. Um, and uh, that's what I do for my living.
0: <laughs> that's very cool. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear, but it's very cool to that you're doing that kind of work.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was really, I got my diagnosis very late in life. I was um, 36 when I got it. I'm now 46. So it's been 10 years with a diagnosis. Um, And I had struggled most of my life up until then. Um, And it wasn't until I got that diagnosis that I was fully able to understand myself and my abilities and sort of then become an entrepreneur. I really was would never have been capable of becoming a business person without that diagnosis on board. I was struggling too much.
0: That's really interesting you say that. So walk us through that. What When did you start your business, your first business at least, and what is it that you do in it?
1: Right, so um, I started my first business sort of came to be really organically. So I, I got this diagnosis at 36 and there was this feeling with it of huge relief to know that all of these things that I was struggling with had names and now there's stuff I can do about it and all of this amazing stuff that came with it. Um, And I felt like, at the time, it was such a big relief, I would have stood on a mountaintop and shouted it to the world just to like help somebody else. Um, and since you can't do that realistically, I decided to go into um, nonprofit land of autism world, right? And I wanted to give back. You know, The idea was I called somewhere and said, I need to go get this diagnosis, where do I go? And somebody answered that phone right? There was somebody there to tell me that. And so I said, well, let me be the next person that answers the phone, right? I'll answer the phone for somebody. Let me give that back, right? And in that way, I kind of got into nonprofit. I started volunteering. Um, And I'd always been a nonprofit person. I've been in veterinary medicine and done shelter work, and I'm a rescuer and all of these things. So that's my nature is nonprofit. Um, And so I really felt comfortable there and I was learning about myself and I was also being a really visible component of the stakeholders we were serving. And it was really um, an important place to be for me. And so quickly they offered me a job and that job turned into a career. And so from this diagnosis, not only was my personal life and my emotional and social life saved, right, but I also was given the gift of a career that I didn't have a clarity about my purpose in this planet right, that I didn't have before. Um, And so I did nonprofit for a bunch of years, worked my way up into management of nonprofit. um, And then I just got really tired. I got tired of carrying a mission statement on my back everywhere, tired of having to watch all the things I'm saying, even if it's about my life, because, you know, I'm attached to this other entity. So I decided it was time for me to go out on my own. There were things that I wanted to talk about, explore, teach about, um, and and do that I couldn't under this nonprofit umbrella. And so I stepped out really in a very kind of scary way on my own and said, okay, I don't have funding. I don't didn't have an amazing job where I, you know, worked in corporate America that I saved up, you know, anything I was working in nonprofit. So it was, I didn't have that kind of funding and I had to be creative in order to create a space for myself and a direction and a brand, but also make use of all the free resources that are out there right now and with which you can do that. Um, and that's really how I got started.
0: Very cool. And um, what a journey, right? I mean, it sounds like you had to explore yeah. all kinds of stuff <laughs> to get here. So through this journey, there have always been, I call it ups and downs. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure there are times where you felt like you're on top of the world and there are times you felt like you're in the bottom of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're often
1: so, the same moment. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're, you're,
0: yeah, yeah. So would you mind just maybe giving us one example of where you felt the world is, you know, you're at the bottom of the world or the world is ending in your space? What, what, maybe one of those moments.
1: Well, I think for me, a lot of them came ironically, from like a fear of missing out or a comparison space, right? Because here I was, I mean, people knew me, I had a network already, right? But they knew me as a part of this organization, and I had to develop myself on my own two feet. Um, And so it was a lot of looking at people in their careers, and going, why are they getting picked to do this thing? Why are they getting that thing? What is it I'm not doing? Am I not doing enough? And the truth is, I that pushed me to explore a lot of avenues that then let me grow organically. So, in the beginning, it was a lot, it was a trap that comparison, right? It was like easy to look at other people and then go, Oh my God, they're doing this, they're doing that. But the truth of the matter is that we only see people's successes, right? We don't see all the time that they trip and fall or all the times they tried things out and it didn't work. We never see that stuff. So, all I'm looking at it, people are the times that they got it right right? And so once that became a clarity point for me, I was able to move from to my next kind of phase. And I think what's interesting is that entrepreneurs out there, most of what makes you good at your job is your mentality, right? So it's not that someone's doing it better than you or different than you or faster than you or anything like that. It's that they're doing it, period, right? And they're putting in the time and they're doing it over and over until they get it right. They're not sitting back and watching, and they're too busy being active and doing things about it to look at you and give a crap what you're doing, right? And so that we create this trap for ourselves. It's in our own head, and that often keeps us frozen and keeps us from growing as an entrepreneur, growing our business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've used this example before. It's best to compete with Mm yourself—who you are and what you do—than it is to compete with your competitors or whoever you think is just because. It's really, it's not, it's not, it's never apples to apples and every apple is different
1: anyway. Yeah. And it doesn't get you anywhere, right? Sitting around and complaining about the other people who are doing other stuff is just you sitting around complaining and leaving more opportunity for them to do more stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like you create your own self-imposed obstacle with that. And so very early on, that was a super trap for me in terms of being an entrepreneur. It was so easy for me to fall into that. Um, And then my other Um, big one, which I think is particularly a problem when you are of a community that is notorious for not getting what they deserve, right, for not being valued, right. And that is the trap of asking for your value, asking to get paid, asking for your money, asking for the right amount of money, no matter how big it is, and being okay with people saying, no, that's not in my budget, and not moving from your space of, but this is what my work is worth. So if you can't afford it, someone else will right? But that space in the beginning of just wanting those yeses that you're willing to not ask for the money or not ask for what you're worth and not understand your value within those things. Um, that was really hard. I had to go and get a coach. Um, I had to someone else who had to teach me the confidence of that money ask so that I could get past it. And once you do it four or five times, you're past it, right? And it's just part of your spiel. But that was a piece for me. And as a woman and as a person in the disability community, both of those spaces make me a natural people pleaser. I just want everyone to like me because I'm so weird and I'm so difficult and emotional and dramatic and all of the things that come with being a woman and someone on the autism spectrum, right? And so I had to kind of stop apologizing for that. Like, I'm sorry you look at me that way here, I'll do it for less, no. And and so that had to shift for me. So I think those were two really big growth spots for me as an entrepreneur and as a person. Oh, well,
0: sure. Thank you so much for sharing and I appreciate your being vulnerable with us here. So much appreciated, Becca. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break and we'll continue this conversation. Thanks for being with us. I'm mm-hmm. your host, Faris Almi. We'll be right back. <music> Thanks, Becca. Um, welcome back and show and you know this is an interesting conversation and what a journey for you mm-hmm. i'm interested now that you've taken us to maybe some of the thoughts that you might have gone through to the taking you maybe down or you were when you were down you were thought of mm-hmm. share with us one of your up moments where you felt like you're on top of the world <laughs> or you yeah i mean I, i've
1: actually um there are a few of them But I think it was, you know, the first time there there are like these step zones, I think, in the career that I've chosen that in your head, you're like, okay, if I do these things, I'm moving up in in the world because there's no one to give me a raise. There's no one to give me a promotion. That doesn't happen when I do a good job. Right. So I was always looking for external things to reinforce sort of what I was doing, um, which, again, became a mistake. But the, that's where I thought, well, now I see the growth. So the first time I got asked to be a national speaker and I was able to charge for a keynote speech and not just you know doing a panel or doing you know a little this thing there. So that one was huge. Um, the first time that somebody paid me and flew and paid for my flight and my travel and my food and my hotel, and the first time that that happened, so cool, right? I was like, okay. Like someone thinks I'm worth it enough that they're willing to pay for all of this to get me there, right? And that, those moments were like, okay, then I'm sharing something that has value somewhere. I'm educating somewhere that has value if people are willing to do that. So those were those were a few moments. Um, most recently, I got offered a book contract, which was a really big deal for me because I'm a writer by nature. That's my, my passion as a person. Um, and so I'd always set this goal for myself. I mean, I started doing this 10 years ago and I said, as a business person, I will not write a book until I have a contract because it's a waste of my time and money, right? I could sit and write a book and it could never get published. I could get halfway through and never happen, right? There's too many things and there's this myth that you make money off of books, but you don't, you make money off of the stuff that comes because you wrote a book, right? So there's no um, intrinsic value in, the, in writing of a book other than to write it and put your name on it and have something to sell, right? And so as a business person, in the beginnings, when you have nothing to spare with all of your edges and your time and, and things like that, a book is a, is a foolish thing to take on. Right, and so I set this thing to myself where yes, I want to write a book, but I will not until the conditions are correct, right? Until somebody wants to hear the stuff I want to write about, until somebody says, "Here's a contract. You do the writing, we'll do the publishing part." Right? Great, and, yeah. Because and that was it, and I got a contract. That was a really recent one for me, um, and the other recent one is that I just got some research funded by people and I'm not a PhD and I am not someone who works at a university so I did a lot of pushing to get that through Um, and there was a lot of politics in there involved Um, and that one I'm really proud of as well because it will be changing how research is funded going forward Um, so I'm proud of that one too
0: yeah congrats Rebecca. I mean I'm sure there are lots of other ones as you continue to think through this yeah these questions uh you know here off the cuff (laughs) and sometimes (laughs) catch people by surprise but I appreciate you sharing those Uh, This journey, ups and downs, it also has, you know, times where you maybe take the time to reflect. And although it's hard to reflect, especially, you know, now that looking back, the knowledge that you have today and the connections that you have today and the awareness, even of yourself, as you stated earlier, you have today, was not there 10 years ago when you started doing all these things. What would you tell yourself back then, knowing that what you know now and knowing that you might have not listened to yourself, right? (laughs) What would you tell yourself then? And what would you tell someone who's getting started today with this entrepreneurship journey? What would you tell them? What would you tell yourself? What would you tell someone new?
1: I think I would say, you cannot be separate from your business. As an entrepreneur, who you are as a person, is part of your business, you are the face of your business, right? So you, you are that person to everybody. So there are people out there who mistakenly try to have like their personal stuff. Like this is my personal website where I do my writing and blah, 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 blah. And then this is my professional website over here. And they try to, um, to kind of categorize in that way. And it doesn't work because if you really believe in your business, then when you talk about it, you should be so passionate that all of those precepts drop, right? You should be talking about it like you're on Shark Tank, right? And you really want the funding, right? We want to be excited when we're talking about it. And that means being yourself. People can sense when you're genuine and sense when you're a salesman. They know the difference. And with the world the way that it is today, everybody wants transparency and everybody wants authenticity. So what you're doing is spinning your reels and wasting your time taking care of two websites when you create two brands that way. And instead, when you're authentic and engaged with your community in both ways, as yourself and as an entrepreneur, people get the full package and they'd rather have that than than some like man behind the curtain thing.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, while I always people right now, you might be thinking that that could change tomorrow. I think you can can give a couple of nuggets. So I think very powerful, the authenticity module, and then being clear and transparent. So that would be, I think, two nuggets that we could maybe leave behind for those who are getting started, be authentic, be yourself, uh, not trying to fake it. Well, not trying to show off something that you're not.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, people will eventually find out. So what keeps you, there's a flash in the pan business person. And then there's someone who's a sustainable entrepreneur, right? And if you want to be a flash in the pan, go ahead and do that. But if you want to be growing your business for the next 10 to 15 years, well, you got to do something that's sustainable and you got to be smart.
0: Cool. Thank you for taking time, Becca. I appreciate you being with us. uh, And I'm sure we'll, uh, know, we'll stay in touch. Thanks for being on the show.
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right, this is the FinGen Show. I'm your host, Ferrier Salami, and thanks for being with us. Till next time, tune in. Have a good day.